You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Before we were born again of the Spirit of God, we never really made a connection with the things that they were saying to us. But now, all of a sudden, because of this new fellowship and communion that we have with God, we're beginning to see things a lot differently. Now, we have a Christian world view, if you will, of the things that are going on around us, that are a part of our life's experience. And thus, we see things now through His eyes, and we feel with His If you came to Christ later in your life, you likely had a different way of thinking prior to knowing Christ. A worldview is much different than a Christian view. As Pastor Mike shares in today's message, once you are born again, you put aside the desires of the flesh. Sin and evil may not have bothered you previously, but now that your eyes have been opened, you can clearly see how deprived our world is. This new view should also create a desire in you to share Christ with others so that their eyes can be opened also. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 John chapter 1 as he begins his message, Our Fellowship with God. already covered it, but there's something that I want to address that was a part of our text in that introductory message. So let's turn to 1 John chapter 1, and let's return to verse 3, actually the latter part of verse 3. This evening's message, the title is, Our Fellowship with God. Our Fellowship with God. So let's go back to verse 3 of 1 John in chapter 1, the latter part of it, and notice John the Beloved, who is the writer of this epistle tells us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So once again, this evening's message, the title is Our Fellowship with God. And let me just once again read this latter part of verse 3. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And that brings us to our first point, and if you're taking notes, write this down. An astonishing but true statement. I mean, think about it. Every time I I read this particular verse of Scripture, the whole idea of the capacity that we are able to have, the benefits of being a child of God in our ability to be able to actually have fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And every time I I read this text of Scripture, it never ceases to amaze me. I mean, we're talking about, think about this, the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, right? 
It's just really an amazing, amazing announcement. And notice the word truly. John tells us truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And that word truly conveys the idea of certainty. In other words, it's beyond a doubt. And so the more I realize how true this statement is, the more astonished I become. You say, why is that? Because when I consider my unworthiness, and I'm just speaking for myself, I'm not speaking for any of you, but when I consider my unworthiness, and in spite of that, I still have this capacity to be able to fellowship and communion with God. When I think about my failures to live up to God's standards, as is revealed to us in, in the Word, it's even more astonishing, it's even more amazing to me. But think about it, fellowship with God is Christianity. And that's what Christianity is all about. You see, the Christian life is not essentially the application of teaching of the Word of God, which we, by the way, place a very high premium upon here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. And it is true, yes, that is a part of it, but it is a fellowship and a communion with God. So if someone were to ask you the question, well, what is Christianity all about? You can basically respond by answering, well, it's all about having fellowship and communion with God. So listen, Jesus didn't come to earth to give us an exalted teaching which we can apply to life and human relationship. He did not come merely to save us from hell. And by the way, he did accomplish that as well. In fact, all of the things that I'm suggesting. But more importantly, he came to bring us into fellowship with the Father and himself. Amen? Amen. So that kind of sets the stage for this evening's message. Now that brings us right to our second point. And if you're taking notes, write this down. So what is this fellowship with God? What does it mean? What does it look like? And what does it represent? We use that term loosely, I think. Oh, yes, we have fellowship with God. We have communion. But do we really understand what's involved with that and the benefits that are derived from that occupation? Well, the whole of the Bible, think about this. The whole of the Bible teaches that to be in the state of fellowship, there has to be a sharing of things. And that would include being a partaker of or a partner with. So that's the idea here. We are partakers together with God. We are partnering together with Him. You see, the Christian is one who has become a sharer in the very life of God. In 2 Peter, Peter puts it this way, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, as a cross-reference for this. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. If you're a child of God, all of the promises that are recorded in the Bible from the first book of the Bible to the last book of the Bible, you can stand on those promises. They're, they are recorded for you. You can stand on them. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature that we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So the Christian, therefore, is one who has become a sharer in the very life of God. You see, Christians are not merely people who are a little bit better than they once were or who have added certain things to their lives that may have been absent before their conversion experience, but they are men and women who have received divine life. You know, the Bible uses certain terms to describe this experience, like, for example, we're born again, or we're born from above, 
or were born of the Spirit of God. So that's what that means. That's what that is suggesting. You see, the very being of God has somehow, and I, I can't explain it. I mean, we're trying to describe the work of an infinite God. I mean, it's at that point where our minds short circuit when we're trying to understand how this whole process works out in the life of a believer. But think about it, and nevertheless, this is true. The very being of God has somehow entered into us, and we should be aware of it. And I'm going to give you some things to think about, and that will help you to become even more aware of it. But Paul put it this way when he was writing to the church at Galatia, in Galatians chapter 2, in verse 20, he says, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Are you aware of that fact, that Christ is living in you, that Christ is living through you? We somehow know, as a believer, we somehow sense that we are in God and God is in us. So it's staggering, really, to the human mind. And yet, nevertheless, it is true. It is a reality. Now, also because I have this fellowship with God. Now remember, I'm trying to define for you, help you to understand what this fellowship and communion is, what it's all about, the benefits that are derived through it. Now also because I have this fellowship with God, I have become his partner as I've already suggested, that is, sharers in his interests and in his great purposes. In other words, we are interested in God's enterprise in this world. You know, his desires have become our desires, right? You know, he has a plan for the world. And somehow he has enlisted us to help in making that plan become a reality. Or like, for example, God's great plan of salvation his attitude towards life in this world, and in all his wonderful provision for it. In other words, we see things through his eyes. We feel with his heart. Go back to your B.C. days, and I, I, you know, I don't want to bring anybody back to your B.C. days, that is before Christ, before your conversion experience, but we really didn't have an aptitude for the things of God, right? For us, they were abstract concepts, we might have uh, had some influence by other Christian people run into them, God moving them across our path, and they would share about their own personal experience in their walk and their relationship with the Lord. But before we were born again of the Spirit of God, we never really made a connection with the things that they were saying to us. But now all of a sudden, because of this new fellowship and communion that we have with God, we're beginning to see things a lot differently. Now we have a Christian world view, if you will, of the things that are going on around us, that are a part of our life's experience. And thus we see things now through his eyes. And we feel with his heart. A couple of examples of this. Sin and evil become a new reality. Sin and evil didn't bother me, to be honest with you. I was a participator in those things before I was converted. In fact, I've got to tell you something. I was... Uh, I can agree with Paul when he says he was the chiefest of sinners. I've been there, done that. Probably many of you can relate to that claim as well. But after we've come into this fellowship and communion with God, we've been born again of the Spirit of God, sin and evil now becomes a new reality to us. We see that in a completely different light. We see those evil forces that are in the world, which manipulate the life of the world and the effect that it has upon the people of the world, and it just wrenches our hearts. 
the major problem with mankind today is sin. Everything else really are symptoms. But the major problem with our world today is, is the sin issue, right? Everything else are just symptoms. And it just breaks your heart. And when you see the destructive effect of sin in a person's life. So we do everything we possibly can do because now remember, we have become his partner. We are sharers in his interests and in his great purposes. And thus, we do everything that we can do to alleviate the suffering, right? We share our faith with other people because we want them to experience this, fel- this same fellowship and communion with God that we have. We want other people to have uh, the forgiveness of their sins and to have the prospect of eternal life. We want to see those things that are become destructive forces within their lives turn around and to enjoy the benefits of knowing Christ and walking with Him. So we do everything that we can do to alleviate the suffering. And part of that is sharing our testimony with people and trying to bring them, win them to Christ. We pray, we share, we give so that the kingdom of evil may be routed and the kingdom of God may be advanced. And so we are sharers in God's thoughts and in God's enterprise and in God's whole interest in this life and world. All of these things are the first components to knowing God, to having fellowship and communion with Him. Now, with that said, let's talk about another element of this wonderful fellowship of communion, and that is, and this is our third point, and if you're taking notes, write this down, our great conversation. Our great conversation. And isn't this just a wonderful part of our fellowship with God? That we have the ability to be able to communicate to Him. Think about this. When we say we're having fellowship with people, right? This is true of wherever we go, whenever we run into other Christians. And we have so many things in common because Christ is the common denominator, right? And you're having fellowship with that individual, whether it's here in this particular body or at another church here in New York City or if you travel out to Southern California and visit some of our sister churches and you visit at the appropriate time at the end of usually the worship service. And a part of that is conversing with that person, right? And communicating with that person, catching up with that that person. So when we say we're having fellowship with people, what do we mean? And what does that entail? Well, at least in part, it suggests that we're having conversation about the things that we have in common with someone else. Now, let's analyze this a little bit further. Let's dig a little deeper here. Let's go back to our text. Once again, John tells us our fellowship is with the Father. And again, it's all about communion with Him. So this can be looked at in two ways. First of all, from our side. Let's think about it from our side. In other words, we have come to know God. God is no stranger to us. He is not somewhere out there in the heavens, busy running the universe, more interested in people who are more prominent than our, or influential than ourselves. He's not some impersonal force, some power, some lawgiver, far removed and away from us. No, God is someone that we know. And we're going to talk about how we know that we know God in just a moment. 
But you know, in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 9, another cross-reference for you, there Paul writes and he says, but now after you have known God, or rather are known of God. Known of God. And so that's the idea here. From our side, we have come to know God. He is no stranger to us. It's a personal relationship that we have with him. God has now become a reality within our lives. I've got to tell you something. I mean, I, I know that he exists. I, I know that he's present with me. I know that his hand is upon my life. I know that he's working behind the scenes, as I always put it. I know he's pulling the strings, pushing the buttons, orchestrating all of the details of my life. And that's also true of you as well. God is behind the scenes. How many times can you only explain the things that are going on in your life through putting God behind those things? And it's just simply the way that God makes himself known to us, whereby he reveals himself to us. He is a reality. And although I've got to tell you, I've never seen God, but I've seen his footprints all over my life, indications that he's with me, walking with me and I with him, right? I mean, it's so obvious. He is now a reality. And think about this. You cannot have communion, have conversation without knowing him or without knowing any person, for example. I mean, you bump on something, you know, you're walking down uh, Fifth Avenue or something, you bump into someone, you never know them. You're not going to stop and have a conversation. You don't know that person. There has to be some kind of intimacy between those two parties. Now, I want you to think about how intimate is our relationship with God. And Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, you have received the spirit of adoption. The idea is you've now become a member of God's family as a son, a daughter, and then he goes on to declare, whereby we can cry out, Abba, Father. It's a term of endearment. It's like my grandchildren now. Well, I guess that wouldn't be, well, they call me granddaddy. But I shouldn't use my grandchildren as an example. How about my own children? When they were young, when I'd come home from work, and I'd jump in my easy chair, and my kids would come running into the room, and they would jump up on my lap and say, hey, daddy. It's, it was a, a term of endearment. That's the same kind of a relationship that we have with God, our, our Father. That's who we are. We've been adopted into his family. And so to answer the question, how intimate is our relationship with God? Hey, it's closer than our own relationship that we have with our, uh, any member of our immediate family. And so to have communion with God means that we desire to speak with him and that we have the ability to do so. So that's a part of our fellowship and communion with God. We have this conversation with him. Remember, under the heading, our great conversation, which is our third point. Now, I'm not only talking about petitioning him. For some Christians, the conversations that we have with God are only those conversations that we have with God in times of need. That's not what we're talking about, although that's, that is an integral part of the conversations that we do have with him. But, you know, if that's all that was involved with this great conversation, that would be a bummer, particularly for God. You know, he only hears from us when we need or want something, when we're looking to him to bail us out of a situation a terrible situation that we probably made for ourselves. We've dug us into some hole, and now we're asking him, we're appealing to him to get us out of it. That would be a bummer, wouldn't it? Think about it in this way. Are there some people in your life 
that are always wanting something from you. And every conversation that you have with them, every time you run into them, bump into them, it's always about themselves and their problems, and they're looking to you for the answer and the solutions. It's sort of a bummer. You know what I'm talking about? So think about it in God's perspective. You know, if that's all this great conversation entailed, that would truly be a bummer as far as God was concerned. But think about this. When you love someone, conversation flows freely. Everything in us is stimulated. You want to spend time with them and just sharing the things that have gone on during the course of your day. True fellowship with God means we desire, we delight in speaking to Him, and we have that desire to praise Him. Now, I want you to think about this for, for just for a moment. If you had the opportunity to speak to anyone that you wanted to speak to, who would you put on that list? If you're a, a, a sports enthusiast, maybe you'd want to, uh, if you were a New York Giant fan, let's say, for example. Now, you knew I was going to throw in a sporting illustration in this, right? Maybe you would like to have, be able to have a conversation with Eli Manning, who's the quarterback of the New York Giants. Or if you're a Med fan, you might want to speak to one of the players for the Mets or, or the Yankees or, or whatever. Or if you're into the arts and entertainment business, maybe you'd like to defer your own career, maybe to get some advice. But think about exactly who we have access to. We're talking about the creator of the universe. So let me ask you, how much time do you actually spend just having a conversation with God? We have access. You know, some of us would say maybe some political figure. Oh, man, I would really like to spend some time with Trump, right? Or, or some of his cabinet members. Or, you know, you got a ton of questions you'd like to ask him, I'm sure, right? But think about exactly who it is that we have access to. We're talking about the God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the universe and everything that's contained within it. We have access to him. At any time, we can come boldly before his throne of grace in time of need, the Bible tells us, right? And so true fellowship with God means we desire, we delight in speaking to him, probably more than any other person that outside of my relationship with God that I want to spend some time with speaking to is my wife. And it's just great to share, and that's one of the reasons why I've taken a bride. You know, there was a time in my life where I, I, I just felt that there was this part of me that was missing. I knew it was time to, to get serious about looking for a wife because I was tired of living my life alone. I wanted to share my life with another person. And that was really, at least in part, the catalyst for marrying my wife. I wanted to share my life with someone. I was tired of like traveling around as much as I was traveling around and experiencing all of what life you know, had offered me and really not being able to turn and share that with someone else. And so it's something to, to think about, right? In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my the book of 1 John teaches the importance of growing in your faith. When you accept Jesus' free gift of salvation, it doesn't end there. Jesus transforms you, beginning on that very first day, and He continues to do so as you allow Him access to your life. 
Each new truth you hear from God's Word has the potential to change you, but you have to decide to let it. It's our desire at In My Father's House to present Jesus to you through each program, and we pray He's already making an impact in your life. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit harvestnyc.org. You'll find them under the Resources tab. Come visit us, too. You can join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. To find out more and reserve your seat, visit harvestnyc.org or join us online to worship through the live stream. Each Thursday, we're also meeting virtually to step back into the Word and worship the Lord. We'd be honored if you'd join us. 7.30 online at harvestnyc.org. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our email list for daily devotionals and the latest event information at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We'd also ask that you prayerfully consider supporting the ministry of In My Father's House through donation. We appreciate every gift given and we'll use it to reach more people with the Word of God. Find out more and donate securely online by clicking the Donate tab at harvestnyc.org. That's all for today. We hope you'll join us again right here on In My Father's House. My heart, not be troubled.